0: your Bible and go to John chapter 1, John's gospel chapter 1. We have been looking through Jesus in the beginning or Jesus in Genesis, and you've probably, if you've been with us, you're probably asking, what happened to Genesis? Well, I'll get to that in a moment. John chapter 1, I just got five verses instead of five chapters, so there's progress. Um, John chapter 1, verse 1, reading out of the ESV, we read out of the Bible, this is our authority, this is our word that we stand on, Um, so John chapter 1, verse 1, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God, he was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Let's pray one more time over the reading of the Lord's word. God, thank you so much for your word. Your word is life. It is the light. It is where we find the true revelation of Jesus Christ. I pray, God, that you would sanctify us in your word, for we hold that your word is truth, as you said. So I pray that you would be mighty to save and that everyone that would leave this room would say how glorious and how marvelous is the light of Christ. We ask these things in your name, in Jesus' name, amen. You can safely assume that by the time John is writing his gospel, the faith of the believers for whom he writes as well, for the unbelievers to whom he writes, uh, the faith Of the church was being challenged and trying to be undermined by the people who opposed the followers of Christ. And reading through the first century, or maybe the first three centuries of church history, makes it clear to us that they were not experiencing the same type of tranquil experience that you and I get to experience in in modern-day church in America, at least I should say, not so much in the case for people in Iran, people in China, people in other countries where uh, the, the Christian religion is being oppressed heavily. And it's in this context where John writes to these people who are not in our context. If they had the faith in Jesus Christ, they were being challenged with their faith, challenged with the deity of Christ, challenged with the thought of uh, this God becoming flesh, dwelling among us and dying for our sins. In fact, if you were to herald this good news in the first few centuries of church history, you would likely be persecuted. You would likely be thrown into uh, the den or thrown into the Colosseum where lions would devour you. It is in this context where John has issued out his letter, issued out his gospel of the life of Jesus Christ. And interestingly enough, he begins his gospel with what we have for the history of the Orthodox of Christianity, have believed in the deity of Jesus Christ. And so the purpose of John writing this letter, now if you read through the gospels, you'll find that John is quite different than Matthew, Mark, Luke. In fact, if you go read those, you're, you're probably thinking to yourself, well, geez, I don't, I don't see some of the stuff that's in Matthew, Mark, and Luke inside of John. And there's a reason for that. John introduces his gospel with the deity of Jesus Christ, that from the very beginning, like before time began, there Jesus was. Jesus was right there communing with the Father, communing with the Spirit. With the Spirit. And if you flip through to the end of John in John's gospel, chapter 20, verse 30, John says to his readers that Jesus did many other miracles and, and many other signs, and, and he did a lot of other things, and, and he, he did not record them in his book because if he were to record them, they, they wouldn't have enough pages to write all of the things that Jesus did. And he goes on and he says to him, he, he writes this gospel, the the Gospel of John, so that what? I mean, we'll take a stab? So that you believe. I mean that's that's it. It's, it's, it's quite powerful. In fact, he writes all these 20-something chapters of the Gospel of John. And in fact, they're they're very different from the synoptic gospels. And he's got one purpose, and he's, and his purpose, notice his purpose isn't so that Jesus would be in your heart. No, it's that Jesus that you would believe in Jesus. And, and, and then so the question then is, is, who is Jesus? And so John asks or addresses this question at the very beginning of this gospel when he talks about who Jesus is and he addresses it in three different categories. He addresses the deity of Jesus, Christ's eternality, and he addresses the personality of Jesus. And so, you know, every time every time that I, I, I stand and I, and I present to you the Bible and I, I preach to you and I, and I talk about these things and sometimes I yell and scream and sometimes I make dumb jokes and sometimes I, I, I'm a, I gaff too. Like I'll say dumb things and I'll walk out of this room and I'm thinking, what on earth did I just say? My God, no one will ever come back because I probably offended everyone. But every time that I stand here and I I proclaim the word of the God, I recognize that there are different categories of people that are sitting inside of this room. I recognize that there are people who believe in Jesus Christ, but yet they probably just need someone to encourage them in their faith. I, I also recognize that there are people who believe in Jesus Christ, but they probably just need to be rebuked. I also recognize on the flip side of that, that there are people sitting inside of this room who are floundering and who, who are just, they're almost there, but yet there's just still some kind of uh, tension inside of their heart where they just can't buy into it. And maybe they just need me to uh, expose the scripture and, and nudge them just a little bit more. Maybe, maybe even just push them on into the pool so they get drowned into the mercy and grace of Jesus Christ. I also recognize that there are people inside of this room this morning who do not believe in Jesus, and they're wondering, why on earth are they even here? Why did you drag me here? Yet despite whatever you, you find yourself in one of those categories, I have a great confidence in a God who is able to encourage you with his word, who is able to rebuke you in his word, and who is able to, by his spirit, draw you and woo you into his company of people. And so I recognize this, and I understand that why we talk through the gospels, why I talk through the Bible exegetically, I understand that this is where we are as a church. And and I think it's so interesting that we find ourselves in this passage how John introduces Jesus to us, he introduces us first in terms of his eternity, secondly, in terms of his personality, and thirdly, he introduces Jesus to us in his deity. I want to look at Christ's eternity first. Now, recognize, again, that we're not in Genesis, we're not looking for Jesus in Genesis, but I want you to look very closely at the very beginning of John's gospel and tell me where you've heard this before. In the beginning, where have you heard that before? Genesis. Genesis. John's taking right out of the playbook of Moses who wrote Genesis and giving us a glimpse of eternity and a glimpse of what's happening in the very beginning Something that sounds very familiar. First of all, he issues the eternity. In Greek, this word is in ark, in the beginning, or before time began, if you'd like. Before even time began was the word. No matter how far you and I can go back into thinking through the process of eternity or into thinking through the process of like, when did time begin? I don't know about you, but like it doesn't take long for my head to start hurt, hurting. Now, I may be of a simple-minded person, for some of you, it may take hours or days before your brain starts to feel like it's, it's aching because you're, you're tracing back from the beginning, but you just can't quite get there because your brain starts giving you some aches and pains. No matter how far back we go or we conceive at the beginning of a time, no matter how far back you go, you will find the incarnate son of the living God. You will find Jesus, the preexistent word there. I don't care if you go millions, billions, if you will, trillions. I don't don't care how far you go back. You cannot escape the reality that Christ is going to be there. He's there before time even begins. It is the eternity of Jesus. The the theologian Athanasius gives us the classic line, there never was when he, Jesus, was not. Isn't that, that's, this is why I'm not a theologian because I can't come up with these one-liners that are so just, just powerful and impactful. There never was, When he, Jesus, was not, verse 3, incidentally, through him, all things were made. He's the creator. He goes on, without him, nothing was made that has been made. So, uh, therefore, although he was creator, he was not created. So, he's created, creator, and not created. He also introduces us into an interesting word, um, coincidentally, the word. Now, now the word is very important, and in, in particularly how John uses the word, the word, right? Because words are important. It's how we convey our thoughts. It's how we communicate our emotions. It's how uh, we we reveal what's going on. It's the word, and so John masterfully uses the word. The word. And in the Greek, and even with other people in Latin, it's logos. In fact, it's Hebrew thought and Greek thought. And they would have understood this. It's the idea of beginning related to the word. It's the beginning. Now, the Jewish mind, assuming that the readers um, probably... I've already connected the opening phrase of John with the opening phrase of Genesis, in the beginning, in ark, right? That's the Greek word. It's the very same thing. He would have just simply be reminding the readers that Jesus was the active agent in creation. That when you look at creation, that the word spoke. Who was the word That spoke. It's Jesus Christ. God said. He spoke a word. And that word is Jesus Christ. And that word according to Colossians chapter 1. Is that active agent. Is Jesus Christ. You can't. Again I just have to stretch our brains a little bit. You cannot go back Without finding a trace of the incarnate Son of God being there. Jesus Christ, the psalmist in Psalm 33, says, By the word of the Lord were the heavens made, their starry host by the breath of his mouth. And so this is what we have to wrestle with as Christians. That as Christian, like, what we believe is that Jesus Christ has been here for all of eternity. That he was not some created being. That Jesus was the creator. He is the active agent in creation. He is the word being spoken and sent out doing the creation. This is the eternity of Jesus Christ. And... And what a, what, a cra- what a crazy thought is this, that if you think about this, that if you have this baby in, in, in what we, you know, like the baby in swaddling clothes and, and, and you're looking down at him, and could you just imagine the thought if you're looking at a baby thinking that this kid, right, this baby breathed out the word and spoke the starry, sky, the starry skies out into existence. I mean, I look at my children and I tell you what, none of those things come to mind. I look at my children like, how could anyone make a mess such as this? I look at my children and say, you are just a disgusting person. You're incapable of creating anything other than havoc. And could you imagine looking at a little child, looking at a little baby, and just simply being in awe of this thought? And maybe they didn't know yet, but maybe they did. I mean, just think about, think about the, the wise man that traveled for, for two years to reach Jesus from the east. It wasn't from Babylon. It was most likely from the area of China. Could you imagine them coming, traveling two years, I mean, if it was from Babylon, those are some slow camels. But they're, they're two years to, to finally see the one who spoke all, just all of this into existence. It, it must have been a sight to see. And then John reveals not only Christ's eternity, but Christ's personality. And he says, and the word was with God and the Word was with God. It's this pre existent Word. Was distinct from the Father, was distinct from the Spirit, not in essence, but in person. There was just a little Trinity theology for you. Not in essence, but in person. When John is talking about this gospel, and when John is dealing with the incarnate Son of God, and when John is dealing with the deity and the the, the eternity of Jesus, he's not. It's not just some you know, some poetic personal pontification that John is just, you know, imagining like maybe this is just mythology, maybe this is just some random idea that some joker had back there. No, John, you remember, where was, who was John? Remember how John describes himself as the beloved of Jesus. I don't, I, you know, and I'm not here to judge John. I mean, he's in heaven. I'm steer, still here. I don't know if John's being a little narcissistic or, you know, a little false humility going on right there. Or if John really understood his, his identity in Christ and knew that when Christ loves him, that he is the beloved of Christ. John, John walked with Jesus. John talked with Jesus. John, John touched Jesus. John saw the Lamb of God slain for the sins of the world. So this isn't some, like, some random idea John had about Jesus. You know what? I think I'll just create this fairy tale and, and maybe it'll align with the other gospels. Maybe not. I'm going to go out on a risk. No, John was there. And John, John was living with walking with, eating with Jesus a disciple of Jesus, and he understood that Jesus had a personality. John's not making none of this up. Now, if you're a skeptic person, a skeptic thinker, or maybe you just want to self-identify as a critical thinker, you know, I would love to identify as a critical thinker, but sometimes I just feel like my ADD just steps in and just, oh, there's another topic I could be thinking about. But if you are that smart, maybe you're, you're a skeptic and thinking none of this can be true. You, you have two options. You, 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 can, you can conclude in your mind that John is just an idiot. Right? I mean, he just, he just has to be. You have to conclude that John's just a moron and just a flat-out liar, and all of this is just nonsense. Or maybe you can conclude, maybe if you're still in that length there, maybe you can conclude that John is just, you know, he, 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 he belonged in, in, a, in a bin somewhere. You, don't know, you track him when they like maybe he, he needed the, the wraparound and, and the padded walls. Just a little kooky. Or you have to conclude to yourself, John knew what he was talking about. Wasn't it C.S. Lewis that said that either Jesus was who he says that he is, that the gospels are true, that they're pointing to Jesus as God, or Jesus was just a maniac. Or Jesus was just senile. He just needed to be locked up. He's one of the other. He's not just a good person. He's not just a prophet. He wasn't just some dude who taught us some really cool things. You know, you know, like maybe the Sermon on the Mount, where he's talking to you, you know, be kind, do all these great things, and 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 you know, which by the way, those I don't think that message would would land you on the cross. Would it? I mean, I mean, you had somebody preaching and teaching and saying, you know, you know. Just be good, be kind, uh, love your neighbor, uh, love your spouse. Do all the you know, the Roman guard. How dare you tell me to be God? How dare you? You're dead. No, it was Jesus's claim of of his deity that landed him. And then he says, The word was with God, and there's a Greek word, proston theon which actually means the word was, I, oh, I like this, was towards God. That the word was towards God, that the son is inclined towards the father and the father is inclined towards the son and the son is inclined towards the spirit and the spirit is inclined towards the sun and here from all eternity you have the triune god in perfect harmonization in perfect communion with each other inclined towards each other self sufficient not needing anything they didn't need to create they didn't need us they had all that they need the triune god inclined towards one another. And it's so interesting that Jesus, when he refers back to this inclining to the Father in his great high priestly prayer right before the cross, he says in John chapter 17, and now Father, glorify me in your presence with the glory that I had with you before the world began. I imagine Jesus is is remembering that when he was in that perfect harmonization, when he was in that perfect uh, inclining towards the Father, say praying to the Father, it's time to glorify me just as I was with you before the world began. And then John goes into the deity of Christ. So he moves from the eternity, moves from the personality, And the word was God. He who becomes flesh in verse 14, if you skip down. He who was always was and his always wasness. I don't know if that's the word. I just made that word up. He always was with God. He always was God. Now, I want to quote another Another person here, I don't know why I'm quoting people today, Martin Goldsmith says, we deny the deity of Christ as the second person of the Trinity, his incarnation, his divine human person, his redeeming work on the cross, his resurrection and ascension then. We are are no longer talking of the truth revealed in the Bible, nor of the faith of the church throughout Christian history. However, we may call our new religious concoction Christianity. It actually has little relationship to the Christian faith. We have, in fact, invented a new religion that has changed or denied every major point in the Christian faith. If you strip Jesus of his deity, you've created a new religion. If if Jesus is not your God, then you have the wrong Jesus. If Jesus is not your God, you have created a new set of religious practices if Jesus has not died on the cross, if Jesus has not risen from the grave, if Jesus has not triumphed over sin and death, if Jesus has not ascended to the Father, then you don't have Jesus. You have like some kind of let's do good religion. And that doesn't work. Now, let me... Let me. Say this, John begins in this way. he intends that the the reader of this gospel will read throughout the rest of the gospel, in light of this one small few verses, verses one through five. and And then they will turn the page. And they'll, they'll recognize why the significance of the eternity, the, the personality and the deity of Jesus is so important. Because, because if you just flip over to the next few chapters, it, you have to understand how Jesus is doing some of these things. You remember in John chapter 2, what does Jesus do? He's at the wedding. And they run out of the good stuff. No, it's not grape juice, you Baptist. It's legit wine. Why would you wait for the good grape juice at the end? Who does that? And so his mother goes and tells him, What are you going to do about it, boy? And, and Jesus says, Mother. Actually, he says, Woman, my time has not come. And Jesus listens to his mom as any son should. He has some really good wine Nicodemus in the next chapter he, he he's asking Jesus how can i how can I have life Jesus starts talking to him about being born again being a born again believer in in chapter four um it it just goes on in where he, he meets the woman at the well, I believe, and, 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 and he starts talking about a drink of the living water. In chapter 5, he's healing people at a pool. In chapter 6, he's feeding the multitude. And by chapter 8, he looks at the Pharisees in chapter 8, verse 58, and he says, before Abraham was, I am. You know, some people will ask, well, Jesus never claimed that he was God. Well, you've never read your Bible. What is Jesus doing in John chapter 8, verse 58? He's quoting from Moses in Exodus, the burning bush. And, and Moses says uh, to Yahweh, who will, I, who will I tell them, send me? And, and what does Yahweh say to him? I am, I was before all of this even started. I am pre-existent. I am I am I am everything. Well, why do you think they wanted to kill Jesus in that moment? Hm? Blasphemy? That was a blasphemous statement. That if Jesus is claiming to be God, then he's either a liar or he is God. And so the Pharisees did not want this. Jesus is revealed to us that he created everything, that he is the light of men. And I love that part, that the light came and the darkness could not overtake it. What what significance does this have with us, that Jesus stepped down from eternity as the light and pressed and pushed and got all of the darkness out. But and I and I have an issue like because you still have sin issues, you still have like dark places, even within you, don't you? So Jesus comes as the light and he shines in the darkness. I like that because he shines. That's a continuous movement that that his light is continuously shining in our life. The light has come. It crushed darkness. And one day, There will be no more darkness. So what about today? (laughs) I, I mean, I read this and I'm thinking like, wow, this is great news. There's light. No more darkness. Sounds good to me. But then you turn on the news and then you just, you get on the road here. These people are crazy. I don't know if it's all the Californians coming over from Cedar, making us all bad No offense. Or, or maybe it's all the Georgia people coming from uh, it. Or maybe it was just, they were in the beginning bad drivers. I mean, you see the weight and the depravity of sin everywhere. But I thought the light has come. It's, it's what theologians call the here and not Yet. It's that Christ has crushed darkness on the cross. And, and, and then the hope of Advent for us is that one day we will rule and we will reign with Christ for eternity. And death will be no more. Darkness will be no more. It will be crushed so, so what do we do with that today? Well, I would just press on you and ask you, like, what, how are you living for eternity? Because this is what this text is about: that Christ has stepped out of eternity, was the creation, what was the uh, active, creative person who is creating all things, was not a created person? He is creating. He has come to make things new. He has come to reconcile us, to save us from our sins so that we would be with him in eternity. That's what this is about. So what does that have to do with us today? Well, I would press on you and just ask you the question, how are you living for eternity? Like when you see darkness around you, what do you do about it? When you see injustices happening around you, what do you do about it? Well, this is just my little light, and I'm going to keep it to myself. Chapter and verse, please. You know why there's no chapter and verse for that verse? Because it doesn't exist. Your faith is not meant to be a private thing between just you and God. Tell tell me the verse that that's in. I've, I've read the Bible through a few times, and I cannot find that. I go back to the question, how are you living for eternity? That lies in part, how are you actively living out your faith? When you see darkness around you, what are you doing about it? When you see the pain of sin, when you see the pain of heartache, when you see trauma, when you see all these things affecting people around you, what, what are you doing about it? because i would i would I would just press and say what you do about it could have eternal significance. your faith is not private, whether you like it or not just, just think how ridiculous that statement is <laughs> I wonder if jesus you know when i when I think of the disciples and and you know the ushering of the Holy Spirit comes down upon them in acts chapter two and You know, very strange scene, tongues of fire coming down and very odd. I I just imagine if, if all the apostles looked at that weird scene and said, you know what, not today, my faith's private. And there was no ushering of the gospel. And thousands of people did not repent and turn to the Lord. There was no birth of the church. Just simply if they just would have given into that dumb lie that their faith was private. Eternity is in the balance. Now, let me go back to where I started, which is where I know some of you are. Some of you are either the believer who just needs encouragement. And let me encourage you this morning that the light has come. And one day, the trauma, the issues that you're facing will be no more. It'll be like what Paul said. I mean, light and momentarily, aff- like afflictions, like just compare to the weight of eternity. Let me let me let me also rebuke some of us who have not doing who are not doing anything with our faith knowing that the light of Christ has come it has penetrated the darkness it has pushed out the darkness like what our role is then that we are active agents of pushing out the darkness And then for some of you who are just floundering in your faith, like I just echo what John said in his gospel at the end of the gospel. Just believe. Jesus is who he says that he is. And then for those of you who just think all of this is nonsense, my prayer for you is that the Holy Spirit would just knock you flat on your rear end. And be like what he, I love the story of of C.S. Lewis's conversion. He, He describes it as like the hounds of heaven were unleashed and would not leave him alone. So that you cannot sleep at night. And my challenge to you is to read the Bible. If the Bible is alive, if the Bible is real, read John's gospel. And, and find and echo what John says in John chapter 20. I, Jesus, I believe. With that, let's pray. Father, we thank you.